podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your host, as usual, Guy Drinkle, and this one we'll be discussing the uh, recent Newcastle game. And joining me is an old, an old friend, the person who got me into podcasting or introduced me to podcasting. So it's his fault. You all have to bloody listen to me. To my mate from uni, best name in the business, Harry De Cosmo. How are you doing, Harry? Hello, Guy. Thanks very much for having me on. That was oh, a very good intro. I'm, I'm well, flattered by the intro. <laughs> uh, passing the blame there, so people can come <laughs> get you. Oh, but, uh, well, Harry, you're obviously the Newcastle fan in this one. There is no red apart from me. I thought, with us being friends and stuff, matters, you don't really need a red. It'll just get, in the, get out the feng shui. But um, anyway, I mean, what we do with this podcast, we normally just go through the starting 11 and stuff to start with. But... Um, I mean, Rafa doesn't really make changes to his team barring injuries. So, I mean, was there anything unexpected in there for you? The only debate, I think, was... It wasn't really a debate. It was just a, a point of intrigue, if you like, was Diame, whether he'd start because he needed to start the last two games to trigger a, um, a an extension to his contract. He looks set to leave on a free now. That was the only one. Shelby was possibly in there, but but he looks like... You know, it, 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 there's a question mark over his future. So the midfield was the only real, real point of intrigue, as I say. But other than that, no, it was uh, pretty much as, as expected. Uh, obviously, no, no Almiron because of injury. So Atsu started, but uh, apart from that, it was pretty much standard. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably look at that left wing spot. I mean, it, it was seemingly a weakness before you got Almiron in that left mm. attacking mid spot. I mean, has Kennedy fallen off a cliff that much? He's just not an option. Uh, to be honest, the Kennedy thing's really strange because he came in um, January of 2018 and changed the season in a way that Almiron kind of has this year. His flair was was brilliant. You know, he he scored and assisted uh, more goals than Almiron has. Obviously, Almiron's stats look terrible, but just the the, the general impact was very similar. Um, and then this season, it just has it's never got going ever since that Cardiff game where he didn't make a pass. A successful pass in the first 45 minutes, missed that penalty in the last minute of the game, has, doesn't seem to have really recovered. Um, Chelsea won £30 million for him, I think. Newcastle would probably debate that, whether he was playing well or not, but the fact that he, he's, he's he's playing very, very poorly and, and hasn't really been, a, a as you say, a real option for Rafa, that, that Rafa believes he can turn to, because I'm sure you remember from his time at Liverpool, he, he usually plays the people he trusts rather than the biggest names in the team sheet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once once it came clear that Kennedy wasn't an option, that that was quite early on. It was really, you know, there was there was talks around Christmas time of, of Newcastle sending him back to Chelsea to try and get that one British loan to try and use that better. Um, even if he was playing well, as I say, that it's doubtful that they would have taken up a £30 million option on him, but there's definitely no chance now. So it's quite a sad, sad set of affairs of what's happened with Kennedy. I don't, I really don't understand from his point of view where it's all gone wrong. Thirty million pounds. Yeah, thirty million pounds was was is the asking price. I mean, you could understand Chelsea requiring that a year ago because that that was the the impact he'd made. There was all that talk of him potentially being on PSG, Liverpool, Bayern, Arsenal. All these clubs were interested in whether that was just true or you know agent here say to try and put force Newcastle's hand, I don't know, but but um, thirty million pounds, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy amount of money. Even if he's on form, let alone what he is now, I mean, there's, there's absolutely you 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 won't find many, if any, Newcastle fans that can see him stay on a loan basis, let alone a permanent. That's mad. That. <laughs> That's mad. That. Oh dear. Uh, but I mean, from a from a Liverpool point of view, um, I mean, not many surprises or options in in the. In the starting eleven, but I mean, from an opposition point of view, um, I mean, there's probably two unregular faces in there, I should say. And I'll start 
with Lovren, um, I mean, we, we were talking in DMs like the last couple of days and we were talking about Rondon and I said this is just going to be a, a podcast laughing about how funny Rondon is. But, I mean, your main target, your main threat is Rondon, linking play with Perez, seemingly. And as soon as I saw Lovren yeah. in the team, I mean, even for you as, a, as an opposition supporter, you must have thought that's who you can target there and seemingly you did. Yeah, I mean, Lovren's a strange... I, I, I don't understand how Lovren's still at, at Liverpool, um, to be honest. And, and you would certainly not as an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, he, he, as you say, he's the obvious player that you look at. I thought uh, Rondon did brilliantly against both uh, Van Dijk and, and mm. Lovren, yeah. to be honest, throughout the game. You're right to say that he's the key man because Perez has scored the la- had scored the last five goals uh, for Newcastle before the game yesterday. But he only is uh, is really a threat off flick-ons and Rondon and whatever Rondon does. He's the battering ram up front. So despite him scoring 10 goals and, you know, obviously seven assists as well, even when he's not doing something that improves his stats, he's a, a huge threat. You know, he, he's, he's absolutely vital for Newcastle. And as we were saying in those DMs, it's, it's vitally important that they, that they actually clinch the deal to sign him, um, whether West Brom go up or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if West Brom do come up, I think they'd be stupid to sell him as well because we've seen he's just a he's a different mm. breed of um, striker. I mean, you, I mean, you could probably compare him to peak Benteke, but Rondon's actually good, whereas Benteke isn't anymore. <laughs> um, but the other one in in the Liverpool starting eleven is Daniel Sturridge, who um, obviously is not the player he once was and stuff like that. But his record against Newcastle is something to behold. And I remember back oh, in crazy. our uni, I remember back in our uni days, you used to hate it when he came up against you. Oh, but, yeah, Bolton, yeah. uh, Chelsea, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, it was probably fair to say he didn't have a, an all-star performance. I mean, he, he he had a good first half of thought and probably grew out the game. Mm. But I mean, we've obviously got a few injuries in the front line, but. When you saw Sturridge, was that a surprise for you? I mean, I guess he's a focal point as opposed, to, um, you know, more of a central striker as opposed to if you could, you could have started uh, Shakiri and reshuffled it as you did in the second half. Obviously, the Rigi's there as well. Um, but to be fair, if you if you're asking Sturridge against Rigi, I would have started Sturridge if I was Klopp because Newcastle sits so deep that mm. you 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 sort of nullify. Uh, Origi's main strength, of course, he scored the header and and did ever did did have the key moment in the game. But if you're looking from a tactical point of view, I understand why Klopp chose Sturridge over Origi. Um, you know, the other option was obviously Shakiri as well, and both of those players obviously played the key role uh, when they did come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Um So we'll get into the actual game there because there wasn't too many surprises from either team in the start eleven, except Lovren. Um, but the early part of the game, I mean, I think it's fair to say Liverpool kind of dominated it. Uh, obviously, got the earliest goal. I think we scored in in fifteen minutes, thirteen minutes, according to it was thirteen flash, minutes. Yeah, flash score. Um, uncharacteristically bad defending from a Rafa team. I mean, is that a sign that the season's over and screw defending, we're going to do a madness? Well, well, to be honest, I was surprised because, um, as you say, you know, as well as you can, Newcastle can look back on the entire performance. I know we're discussing the first half, but Newcastle can look back on the entire performance and on the face of it say they did really well. They threatened um, and they they had their spells in the game and you could argue have got the closest to Liverpool, not just the fact that they scored so late on, but have really rattled Liverpool in a way mm. that no other team really has for for weeks. Um, but the, but when you examine the the actual game and 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 the fact that Newcastle didn't win, it comes down to how poor they were for each of the three goals, um, and particularly you know, three set pieces. That's where Rafa, that's Rafa's bread and butter, as you say. Uh, defensively, that's where Newcastle. Are supposed to be were supposed to be the threat pre-game. That was it. That was the thing. It would be so tough to break us down, and it ended up not really being that tough because, um, you know, because I don't know where the marking was for Van Dijk's goal at all. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty poor to be honest. I, I, I was surprised. It, it, obviously, your defensive record is it, decent considering. Well, the staff. I mean, it's fair to say Newcastle squad. I mean, Rafa's working miracles with some of it, but obviously got Lejeune. Um, Injured and missed most of this season as well. He he seemingly grew into a key player last season. Shah yeah. 
Shah's kind of new but impressing. Lascelles has had a bit of a mixed season compared to last season, and and Dummett's playing in a back three when he was well used to be a left back. Is 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 this back three just a way of getting around the lack of quality, or do you think it's a system Rafa prefers, or do you think um, it's just to protect a not makeshift but possibly a lack of quality defensively? What do you think it is? I think you 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 you're right with the first one. It's a way of getting around the the team he has and and particularly when um Lejeune was was fit uh you had two ball playing center halves with one um in Lascelles as a as a as a sort of a no nonsense player and then you had Lejeune and uh and Cher either side and that really worked fantastically well particularly around between Christmas and about February March and then Lejeune gets injured and and then Dummett comes in and Dummett does brilliantly but he's the dynamic of that back three changed um Dummett was looking for a bit of a, you know, he had a bit of an identity crisis, if you like, because he's actually more of a centre-back than he is a left-back, despite playing his entire Newcastle career mm. at left-back. He's not a, a modern left-back, if you like, and that's what I think Rafa, with that system particularly, with wing-backs, um, that's where he wants his width to come from. So he needs to be a bit more, he needs to be a bit more that Yedlin on one side, or Mankio as it's been, but Yedlin ideally because of his pace, and then somebody else on the left, on the on the other side. He's, one of his main targets in the summer is a a tall left back with pace, and you can see why. Um, Dummett, I think, can make a a very good centre back, and that's always been the idea uh, in a lot of Newcastle fans' minds because he he he's been quite um, he's been quite you know I don't know what the word is uh, limited I, I guess you could say. Uh, and Newcastle have therefore struggled down the left ever since really Jose Enrique signed for Liverpool. Um, mm. But if Rafa can, I do. I, I think Rafa would stick with this system next season because not only does it get the best out of the defence, but it also frees up uh, Perez and Almiron behind Rondon as it has, and it's just really worked. Really, it's really worked very quite, you know, very well over over the season or the second half of the season at least. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of add on to the talk of the system. I mean, you talked about the struggles in terms of left back and left side. I mean, Matt Ritchie was seemingly a, a key player in terms of coming back from the championship and settling in um, in the Premier League. And I think, it may have been a month or so ago, that I think I saw um, reports that like he, his contract wasn't going to get extended and stuff like that. But has he found his own little niche in terms of playing left wing back? Um, and is that pretty much his position his own? Because I know you were looking at Jordan Lukaku and ended up with Boreca because of the medical and stuff like that. But is, is Matt Ritchie... Um, made that position his own or do you think it's still a position of weakness? Yeah, I think he has because but that's more down to Richie than it is the position itself because Richie's very strong with his um with his work ethic. He's the kind of player going back to what I said about Rafa and Trust. He's the embodiment of a Rafa player in this current system. When you look at Rafa and you, uh, and, and, and what sorry, when Rafa will look at, looks at the squad and says there isn't that much quality there anyway, the next thing to look on is who 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 he believes will do the job, the things that he's asking for. That's why you've you've seen him ostracise and, and sell the likes of Mitrovic and Mbemba, for example, because they didn't do what he was asking. Richie has as you know, he, he he works his socks off. He he does what Rafa wants. Um, he might shout and square when he comes off the pitch too early in his mind sometimes, but um, but he is he's exactly what what. Uh, Rafa wants in a player. I was surprised to see him linked so heavily with a, an exit last summer. The talk of Stoke. Um, I was surprised to see him again. These, the you know, I think Newcastle will be very, very, should be very wary of selling Matt Ritchie. Whether he stays at left wing back next season it remains to be seen. As I say, it is it is a main target for Rafa to to sign in the summer a fullback slash uh, slash wing back. So whether long term, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is, but he's certainly has played his part in that position this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, a player we've already mentioned in in Rondon, um, we'll get on to the Newcastle goal. I mean, he played a key key role in, in the uh, in the first goal with the goal line clearance from from Trent. Um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, it's a handball. I'm not going to yeah. deny that. Um, I mean, what what do you think about that as a situation? Because I mean, the debate came afterwards. What would VAR do? Would it would it give the red? Would it give the handball and red card before it give the goal? I mean, were you happy with just the goal, or would you rather have had Trent sent off? 
Um, I think it would have been better if Trent Alexander-Arnold had been sent off and there was a penalty that you would then hopefully back Matt Ritchie to score. Uh, although he had missed recently against, um, I think it was Everton he missed against uh, last month. So um, I think Newcastle would have preferred that. But in terms of the fact that Atsu put it away, I think that means that it isn't a red card anymore because there's no do- there's no goal score and de- uh, denial, if you like. The, mm. the goal happened, so yeah. there wasn't a denial. Um, so I don't... I, Personally, I'm, I'm not quite sure why why the Newcastle players were complaining so much because they were saying that they didn't really care that the goal had been scored. He should have been sent off anyway. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think um, the the decision that 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 bothers me most, I think, is the is the free kick for the last goal. But uh, we'll get onto that, I guess, later. Um, I think, as you say, once the goal goes in, do you, you, you? I don't really think you can complain about the red card. Having said that. You know, I would have rather had, looking back, uh, Trent sent off and a penalty and hopefully a 1-1. And then the dynamic of the game changes because Newcastle showed what they could do when they were on top. And you would imagine they would have got on top a lot more in the game against 10 men. But uh, that's speculation. You never really know what, what that could have meant, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen, well. Let's take the uh, Bournemouth game as the other day as an example. Less mm. men, harder it is to score, seemingly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was from a Liverpool point of view that goal. I mean, it was just a complete mess. I mean, we talked about Lovren. It's not completely his fault, but he, he's a big part of it. I mean, he's marking Rondon. I don't know why your six foot three or whatever your centre back would leave the eight foot wide striker to go mark nobody but yeah why not let's go do that um and i think Sturridge and henderson point out atsu but again why would you leave rondon someone else could mark atsu it's just it's just a complete mess from the liverpool perspective um but the actual mm. goal you mentioned atsu atsu scoring i mean not I was. I had a cheeky look at the uh, twitter for newcastle uh, when the team sheet was out and everyone was complaining about atsu i mean is he one of one of them players that you had in the championship who's just simply not really Premier League quality? I know he scored and stuff like that, but he does seem to be one that a lot of people complained about. But he's another one of those that Rafa trusts, and that's why mm. he gets in. That's you know he'll do what Rafa wants him to do, and that's what a lot of Newcastle fans really don't seem to understand. I think they want um, mainly Yoshinori Muto to start ahead of. Uh, of him after that was the the call after Almiron's injury was confirmed yeah. he'd be out for the season. Um, Kennedy is is not even in people's uh, thought processes as I've said for the reasons that I mentioned before. Um, Atsu, I I understand why Rafa likes him because he works so hard. He doesn't have that much quality, he, but he's very good as an impact player because he's got pace uh, as a starter. He he shouldn't be anywhere near the team, but then again, um, he wouldn't be if if Rafa had been backed. You've got to think about it, though. You know, Rafa's now four transfer windowed in to his time at Newcastle since this became a real issue. The first one he had in the summer after relegation and gearing up towards promotion, he got what he wanted, everything he wanted. Crack started showing the one after that, and since then it's been it's been um, you know a, a real battle for him to find every you know, to fix every issue. And I think he would have fixed the Atsu issue, if you like. He would have improved on Atsu earlier if he'd got everything in place. But what he's had to do is kind of pick an area in the team that he wants to improve and battle and battle and battle to get that improvement. Last summer, it was getting Rondon and he had to get creative with how to get him in because he's too old for the club to agree to signing him because he's 30 next year, he doesn't have any resale value. The money that would be spent on Almiron and his... Uh, perceived lack of top level experience having come from MLS football. That was his battle last, uh, last January, which he eventually won. But that papered over a lot of cracks for January. There was a lot of coming into that Manchester City game. People don't remember this now, but, but that Manchester City game, if, if the, uh, if that hadn't been won, there would have been real trouble in, and Newcastle would have been in the bottom three and really struggling. The Almiron deal was, a, was announced earlier that day. If that, Day hadn't happened if you take it, you know, if the, the Almiron deal wasn't uh, announced and then there was a defeat, the whole season could have looked completely different. 
Yeah, and wasn't the uh, wasn't the scheduled protest against Ashley around that time as well? I'm yeah, sure. that, that was the hilarious thing was that uh, there was a there was a sit-in protest uh, protest planned, and I was at the game, and I thought after you know when the Almiron deal broke and it was a, a, there was a real buzz, then obviously the, the victory comes in, and then the protest that had been planned there was literally I saw about twenty people in the top of the Gallagher end. Sitting in and, uh, and, but that's how, but I think that's how football works, isn't it? When, when everything's going well, you forget about the, the negatives. It's only when the negatives come in that you start to realize that, that things need to be called out on. And, um, yeah, I think the, the narrative of that January has been changed because of the Almiron deal, but it was quite a tough month and it would have been very tough had that deal not gone through. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if we have time, we'll touch on um, the Rafa situation, obviously his contract's up and the Ashley situation towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. But um, we'll get back into the game. I mean, Liverpool, obviously, I mean, the first half, I mean, looking back, just just in written form, it was so mad. Um, Crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, before our goal, Perez actually scores, uh, not scores, hits the bar. Um I mean, he, he, again, he was one of these players. I know Rafa def, definitely trusted him. I mean, he's, I think he plays literally every time I've seen Newcastle play in the last few mm. years. Um, but this, for me, as an outsider, it looks like his best spell of form probably in a Newcastle shirt. I mean, it, it probably stems from Almiron signing, like an up, an upward um, trajectory of, of class near him. Uh, we talked about his relationship or the importance of Rondon earlier, but, Perez, is he just kind of the perfect partner in terms of playing off Rondon? Because he seems to have good movement and a decent finish on him. Yeah, he's got a great finish. His touch is, uh, is quite remarkable. I don't know if you saw him. He did it yesterday where he took it round, you know, two or three people and he did it a couple of times and he gets away from players and then the, the, the bounce of the ball a couple of times yesterday went against him and he lost it. But there were a couple of times, um, I think it was against Southampton where he scored his hat trick. And he did that and it, and, and he got away from two or three players from when, when he had absolutely no right to. Um, he doesn't have, he isn't blessed with pace, uh, particularly, but he, but he works hard. As, as I said, you know, that's what Rafa looks for. That's the, the thing that it always comes back to. And he, and he can finish, as you say. Um, in terms of his, it is probably his best run of form, but he did very similarly, um, at back end of last season. The, the two seasons for Newcastle this year and last year have been, Almost identical. I don't know if you've seen them on Twitter. Mm, yeah. Of goals scored and wins and draws. It's been very, it was, it's literally been identical at, di- at different points in the season late on. And he got, I think he ended the season with eight and nine goals then. Um, and particularly, you know, particularly strongly at the start of the season, he was the scapegoat. And I think a lot of Newcastle fans needed to look at the bigger picture and, and, you know, not have such selective memories because he, he, he has been, one of the better players under Rafa, and particularly, I think now people are starting to see it. And not only the the number of goals, which again you've got to remember, 1.5 million pounds signing. Um, he's now above the likes of Craig Bellamy in the in the Premier League goal scorers charts for Newcastle, who obviously everyone remembers Bellamy for the role on the Bobby Robson team. Mm. Um, he's above him for goal scored. Obviously, he's played many more games, but you, you see the the, the the point I'm making. And um, and yeah, he 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 seems to be finally getting the the credit he deserves, and I think that's um, and that's credit to him really. He deserves that he deserves everything he's getting at the moment, including links to uh, to moves. I think that'll help him um, negotiating with the club, maybe for a better deal in the summer uh, or whatever he wants to do. Because I spoke to him last uh, last summer. Actually, he said that he was still very interested in staying in Newcastle. But this year, the, the noise has been changing. His celebration is in relation to the fans' criticisms. I think maybe that might have played on his mind a little bit across the season. Yeah, and obviously playing so well helps with the uh, public um, reaction to him and stuff like that. Has it has it gone completely 180 in, in, in the other way for him? Or do you think as soon as like you go through a sticky patch again, he'll be the one of the ones targeted? Does it work like that in the past? I think that every, I think that's what, you know, whether it's new, whether it's football or society, that's how what the world works. People are uh, quiet when things are going well, but if they're criticised in the past, they want to be vindicated. And I think if he stopped scoring goals for five or six games and started, you know, dropping form or something like that, you'd see the people come out of the woodwork. But the crucial 
goals that he scored, the amount of goals, not just the number of goals, but the amount of crucial goals he scored as well. He pops up time and time again when, when he's needed most. And I think that's another thing that gets forgotten by a lot of Newcastle supporters. Um, but as it stands, I think a lot of people do seem to be, at least now, he's, there's nothing, you can't really argue against it. It does seem to be looking like he's getting, uh, he's winning the fans over. Yeah, I mean, I think I've called him in the past the Spanish dirt kite, <laughs> dirt kite. Um, obviously with the raffle yeah. link as well, you can kind of see where it's coming yeah, from. He's, he's, the, he's that kind of player for, you know, he, I don't know if he can literally do that, but yeah, he, he does have that sort of level of trust in, from Rafa in a similar sort of position. Not the same type of player, but, you know, does the similar sort of thing in the team, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... um well, we get to Liverpool's second goal now. Um, quite a nice piece of play. I mean, Sturridge again involved. Not an assist, but hockey assist. I think the st- statistician. Well, I can't say statistician, but you get what I'm going with. Uh, what this is a hockey assist. Um, lovely back heel. I think it takes a nick off uh, Richie or Dummett. I can't remember which one it was. But um, again, you mentioned we mentioned um, Trent possibly being sent off. Uh, I think this was his second assist of of the uh, of the night, and the importance he's playing in, in Liverpool's system. Um, a lovely finish by Mo Salah. I think it was on his wrong uh, on his weaker foot. If I remember, it was his right foot. Yeah, 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 weaker foot. But again, I mean, Mo Salah with pretty much a hell of a lot of space in the Newcastle box. I mean, defensive frailty again there. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> As I mentioned before, it's uncharacteristic and it was a real problem. Rafa pointed that out after the game and um, he's never happy on the touchline whether it's a win or a loss, but he was he was particularly angry after that and, and rightly so. I can't believe you would leave the top scorer in the Premier League and manage... Uh, did he break the record for the quickest goal, quickest player to 50 Premier League goals for Liverpool mm-hmm, that, yeah. that he was chasing? Why would you leave him so so free in the box you're asking for trouble and it was a superb finish you can't you can't take away anything away from him for that it's brilliant yeah lovely goal lovely goal from the player not in the team of the season um <laughs> uh, yeah. god that, still baffling that one still baffling and uh i won't mention that you voted for sterling in the writers one harry <laughs> yeah i voted for sterling in the writers one over, over van dyke um, I will point out that the, the, the writer's one is to do with um, he's a footballer, not a player. So it's not just footballing ability; it's also uh, society and how the, and th- other other factors are allowed to be taken into account for that. So the the issues that Sterling's raised and and helped battle probably came into into play with a lot of people's votes with that. And he did win with I think sixty two percent of the votes in that one. I'll let you off because you won player of the year. Players player of the year. Got recognition. And if, if Van Dijk had won, you really couldn't argue because he has made, it's quite clear that, that as, as well as the fact Alisson's played quite well uh, this season, played really well this season, is, is, is also worth mentioning. But he's made the difference, Van Dijk, I think, uh, to Liverpool's season. He's the reason, the biggest reason why. Um, why they are, why they are, as opposed to last season, where they were battling for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. The league title. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with everything you said there. I mean, if I, if I was able to vote on the right as one, I'd probably vote for Sterling as well, because, as you said, mm-hmm. it's more than football, that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, second goal, I thought Liverpool would try and calm the game down. Nope, none of that stuff this on <laughs> that night. Oh, God. Um, uh, Mane, who had a bit of a... Not even a quiet game, probably a bit of a bad game. I mean, he missed he missed a one on one, a good save by um, Dubravka. Who I mean, might as well talk about Dubravka because you mentioned Allison having a huge impact on on Liverpool, but yeah. um, Dubravka seemingly had had a, a similarish impact considering goalkeeper seemed to be a, a problem position for Newcastle for quite a while. But Dubravka's made it his own and and more, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, since I mean there was. Years of Shea Given, and I, I don't think anybody realised. I think actually, to be fair, that's, that's not fair. People, I think everybody realised how lucky we were to have Shea Given for so many years. Steve Harper came in and did brilliantly. Tim Krull took up the the mantle, and then there was a bit of a gap. You know, once Krull's injury started to take hold, and Rafa got rid of him, Darlow and Elliot didn't really inspire too many people. Then Debravka comes in and makes it his own, as you say. Um, 
there was a couple of games around the start of the year that where there was questioning whether he should start, whether he should not. A bit like De Gea's going through now at Manchester United. Yeah. In reality, the even with those mistakes, there was no better option. It was worth sticking with him to to get him through that sticky patch. He's he's, he's come through it. Um, and he, I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves in the goalkeeping ranks this season. I'm not saying he should be above De Gea or Allison or um, somebody like that at the top end of the the league. But if people are talking about Fabianski being this brilliant keeper this season, I would I would wager that Dubravka has been every bit as good as he has. Um, and yeah, you, you would really realise how good Dubravka has been if he wasn't there. Uh, certainly. Yeah, he's definitely better than Pickford. I'll give you that one. He's, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, 100%. Well, the, the pick, I mean, Pickford's, the, the negatives of Pickford's game were laid bare in that game at St. James's Park. He let, he let everything get to him that day and, and, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a bad day for him in the office. Oh so, my God, uh, I just remembered he speared Rondon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the, funny. Did you see the meme where someone had put a rugby ball in Rondon's hand and it didn't look at all out there? Oh. It's very yeah. true. He, he could be a prop. If Venezuela have a rugby team, he needs to get in it when he retires. Yeah, <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, I mean, I can always put a bit of Pickford bashing into any of my pods because he is terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's probably towards the end of the second half. I mean, um, I think Rondon has another shot, doesn't um, trouble Allison too much. But it, second half, half time, I mean, Newcastle in the game. Uh, probably playing oppositely of how they have all season, but um, were, were you expecting any changes? Or, well, from my growing up with Rafa, I also remember the sixty-minute substitutions like clockwork. Mm. But uh, is that what you're expecting? Changes after ten, fifteen minutes? Yeah, the, the, I do remember the, the sixty-minute substitutions. I had an idea of Rafa when he came in. A lot of changes, a lot of. Um, Rotation, that was what he was famous for. I remember the, obviously the, the Torres coming up at Birmingham, Gerard's face, that, that whole thing. Um, and that was what I expected from Rafa when he came in. In the first season, he was very much like that with the, with the changes, the substitution, with, with the rotation at the start, the substitution thing. He's actually very late with his substitutions, frustratingly so to a lot of Newcastle supporters. So I wasn't expecting any changes, certainly not at half time. Um, because Newcastle were doing enough to, to prove to 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 me and to Rafa that that they they it wasn't over yet, um, and I thought that they came out and did did quite well. There were a couple of spells where they got a, a foothold in the game and looked looked the most threatening team. And then when they equalised between the equaliser and the goal, uh, Origi's goal, I can't remember many actual chances for Liverpool to be honest, and mm. and that's quite you know. And that was, but that wasn't down to Newcastle's defensive. That was down to Liverpool's lack of ideas and maybe a potential. You know, I know Klopp mentioned that he didn't think his team got nervous, but I have to disagree with him there. I thought that there was a point in the second half where I think it's where Alexander Arnold plays it out, plays it straight out for a throw in from a pass, and it's like this. Yeah, this, yeah. this might be the time where Liverpool start to, you know, lose grip on this on this title race. But obviously, they came up with a goal, and that's what that's what makes it a. a I mean, literally any other year other than perhaps last year, they would have won the title by now. It's 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 an incredible race, and and Liverpool are playing every bit of part of it. But in terms of Newcastle's um, approach to the second half, it was exactly as I expected as I expected it to be. Yeah, and I mean, probably the only chance before the madness towards the end was the Sturridge one where Ginny yeah, it over the bar. Yeah, Ginny Ginny decided to try and play football for once <laughs> for once away from home, but. Um, I mean, only for a two-minute spell because he was pretty damn awful. Um, him and Robbo com- combined quite well, and Sturridge probably his only chance to actually go. I mean, it wasn't the tapping by any stretch of the imagination, but a, a peak Sturridge would have probably scored it or at least troubled the goalkeeper. But I mean, we talked. You, you mentioned there Liverpool being uncharacteristically um, poor going forward. Mm. Um, and you mentioned uh, Liverpool being poor rather than Newcastle being good, but I mean one of the players who I, I saw competing very well with with Liverpool's midfield, which has improved of late, but I'll probably more see down to Fabinho and Cater, but obviously Cater's buggered now. Um, was um, Isaac Hayden, who has not made it? Um, he's made it common knowledge he wants to. I think he wants to move down to London or back further down south and stuff like that. Yeah. But he he seemingly stepped up quite 
big time when when you've had a lot of injuries in midfield and, and kept his place. Um, yeah. I, is is he is he still wanting off? I think I saw you retweet or comment on a on um, a video an interview with him. Is is he is he still wanting going off, or do you think that he's now one of the key players or a starting player at least? He, he might stay. I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I think he genuinely wants to leave for his family. I think it's the Midlands that, that he wants to go to, that hence Aston Villa and West Brom were heavily linked with him in January. Um, I think he deserves a, 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 a huge amount of credit for his turnaround. I wrote about it in my piece from the game yesterday. The premise of the idea was um, Rafa is the main priority in the summer, but Rondon and Hayden need to be tied down if possible as well. Rondon is entirely Newcastle's own doing. If they don't get him over the line, that's their fault. Um, Hayden, yeah. they can throw everything at him and he could still leave because his his desire to leave is genuinely nothing to do with football. Um, and a lot of Newcastle fans really, in that Cardiff game, he got the red card and it was it looked like it was the end of uh, quite a bitter end. He didn't look like he wanted to be there at all, which as we know he didn't, but um, there's a way of showing it. He's come back and he's really put his personal issues to one side when he's on the pitch. He's been fantastic all season. Um, and I hope he stays. I hope he re, re, uh, establishes himself in the midfield again, like he was in the championship. He did have a, a spell out, uh, the back end of last season at the start of this year. Um, but he is probably Newcastle's best midfielder when fit and, and when on form. Um, as I say, that doesn't necessarily matter too much. To him, he said in the in the interview that you're referencing to the to Newcastle's own um, club TV channel that he's uh, he 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 was talking as if he was saying goodbye to the fans. It's been great to play in front of these guys, um, and but my and my aim is still to leave. I I don't know the ins and outs of his family situation. I know that his his daughter is away from him, and that's the issue. Whether his daughter could move to Newcastle. You know, only he knows, and it doesn't seem to be in the offing. So I would expect him to leave. Uh, unfortunately, I'd expect Newcastle to come to some sort of, a, of an arrangement now that the season's over, get it done as quickly as possible, find a replacement, and move on. Um, it, which is quite sad because he, you know, I think Benitez has said he could play for England, and he's certainly one of those players that if he got the odd cap here and there, the odd call, you wouldn't begrudge him that at all. Yeah, I mean. It was just random. I obviously keep um, note of Newcastle because I like Rafa and uh, obviously me and you talk quite a bit as well. Um, and when you just signed this, I think he was from Arsenal, wasn't he? You signed a random lad from Arsenal. I think he got made your vice captain or something as well. <laughs> it was yeah. It was quite. Yeah. Um, it was quite random, but he, he seemingly um, re-established himself. And if he if he does want to move into the Midlands, whether West Brom, Aston Villa, or any of Leicester, probably not Leicester, um, any of the teams who get promoted, he might be a, a very smart pickup for a team in, in that area. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe even a, a bit further south. Um, but Newcastle's second goal um, again, bit not as poor defending from Liverpool, a much more scrambly. Somehow Mane ends up marking. Rondon, which is uh, never a good idea. Um, some people have complained about offside blocking the goalkeeper's view. I, I don't see it. Um, but Rondon, we talked about Mo Salah scoring with his weak foot. Rondon matched that, <laughs> probably more so. Yeah, it was a fantastic finish. Um, but it's not something that we... Uh, it didn't surprise me that he did it because he's done it at times this season. Very similar sort of like powerful effort that he's put in this year, just the, the typical sort of Rondon goal, and there was uh, it, it came at a good time for Newcastle. I think it came at a very bad time for Liverpool, given what happened afterwards. Um, in terms of, I don't know if you were expecting, not 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 for one second suggesting Liverpool were, were arrogant enough to say Newcastle wouldn't equalise, but the way that it happened seemed it seemed to really sh- shock you to mm. to the core more than the equaliser did. Um, I thought you kept your count, you kept your composure much better in the first half than you did the second. Um, and as I say, I thought that there was, you know, I was very confident despite the the lengthy stoppage time for the unfortunate uh, incident with Salah. Um, I thought Newcastle were gonna were gonna see it out. I really did. And then that was it was a fantastic finish from Ronda, but it doesn't surprise me at all. It's exactly why 
he should be the easiest deal to, to complete in the summer and one that should be completed a day after the Fulham game, if it was up to me. Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on the finances and uh, and, and the actual deal earlier on. Um, I think it's 16 mil. If Is it 16 mil if they stay down or is it 21 if they stay 16. down? 16.5 if they stay down, 21, I think, if they come up. Um, but, the, but there is, I think, something in there that suggests that Newcastle might have first refusal. He certainly made it clear that he wants to play for Newcastle next season if possible. Um. There's the, also the other thing of Gale and uh, Dwight Gale and Jacob Murphy, who are both on loan there. Whether there mm. could be a deal with yeah. either one or two of those players, that could make an impact. But uh, to be honest, I think you would just pay the 16.5 million, like Rafa originally wanted to be done. You pay the 16.5 million. The irony is that Newcastle rejected the chance to pay 16.5 million pounds last season when he was a year younger than he is now. Now they have to to do it when he when he's coming to his 30th birthday. Okay. They'll point out if they do it that he's proven himself. Uh, it's been his best Premier League season, scoring goals wise. Um, but I don't think necess- it sounds ridiculous, but I don't think he's necessarily in the in the team for scoring goals. If he'd scored five goals this season, I would still be. But played as he has throughout the campaign, I would still be very interested in taking him for six point sixteen point five million pounds because I think in the current market for the player you're getting and the work rate and how he fits into the system. I don't think you're gonna. There's no point in risking it and looking at somebody else making taking that gamble, which is, of course, Mike Ashley's favourite thing to do with Newcastle is to take gambles. But um, I don't see the point in it. I think you you go and get Rondon for 16.5 million, deal done, and move on from there and build on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, Liverpool's been a club as well in in well. A good few years ago, probably pre Klopp and pre Edwards and stuff like that, we used to take the odd gamble. And uh... we'll put it this way: every time I saw Rafa at the end of the gig of a game, um, and everyone, you know, we try and push him on the Ashley situation. Yeah, he would often point out that um, he's worked with with tough owners in the past, um, and George Gillette and Tom Hicks being the prime example mm-hmm. of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's used to it. The difference is that. Between Newcastle and Liverpool, there's a huge difference in that Liverpool were in the Champions League every season at the time. Um, yeah, and yeah. so he was probably likely to stay around there. Then he, then, you know, he he knows he's in a situation where he can walk out and get a better job, uh, or a job that that has more ambition and something that matches the project he wants. If he if he doesn't want to stay at Newcastle, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when Leicester were looking for a manager and Brendan Rodgers' name was popping up. I was always thinking you're picking the wrong ex Liverpool manager there. I mean, I prefer him to stay in Newcastle, but Newcastle problems about run long, uh, run deeper than just the manager. Um, obviously, you mentioned Rondon. That's Rafa's guy. But has there been any names rumored about the? Um, I think Lee Charnley's your head of transfers and Mike Ashley's guy and stuff like that. Is there any people who've been named or rumored that are Rondon <laughs> alternatives, or is it? Have you not got into that desperate? situation yet which would probably signal the end of Rafa well the the thing is that the really silly thing is that everything is on hold until the Rafa deal sorted um, so there is no contingency plan post Rafa so there can be no contingency plan post Rondon um, so that it is really high stakes if Rondon, if Rafa decides to leave Newcastle are up uh, shit creek without a paddle if you like mm. Um and that's uh, I'm not sure if I can swear on this podcast. Or not. Oh, you can. It's fine. <laughs> it's got <laughs> so, me yeah. as the horse, Harry. You um, should know this. <laughs> yeah, um, I, well, I knew about you guys. I just didn't know about the the regulations or whatever. Oh, you that's talking. fine. But, uh, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think uh, to be honest, there is no plan in this. There's obviously names, both in terms of managers and players that that get linked. But reality is that once. Rafa signs, which is still the, the the plan and still probably the most likely situation, given what he's been saying recently and said to me and others in the past year. Um, then nothing else can go really change. But but um, I, I, it really is panic stations and really worrying times if Rafa doesn't sign. Not only because fans will revolt, but also then there's so much more work to do than I think even the board. Um, Amazingly, I've learned from past 
weeks, and I think they would be really, really un- under the cost to, to do so much work in so little time as well with the transfer window closing early again. Mm. Um, there is no there is no real contingency plan from what I've heard um, post-Rondon because there is no contingency plan post-Rafa. Yeah, I've seen I've seen random names rumoured if, if Rafa does go, I think the Leon manager Gattuso for some reason. Uh probably for yeah, Alan Pardew in there. Spin. Yeah. Get Alan Pardew back. John Carver. <laughs> um maybe not. Uh but yeah, I mean hopefully Rafa stays and hopefully gets back. That's probably from someone who so I'm one of his biggest fans growing up with him and stuff like that. Um Yeah. Well I certainly hope he yeah. stays because he's been very good to me. Yeah, we, as we were talking earlier in DM, best best manager since Bobby Robson by a bloody mile. <laughs> oh, there's absolutely no no debate about that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but back back towards the game before the Salah injury that you mentioned, Shakiri comes on for Vinealdum, who I said had a very poor um, poor game against his ex side. Um, yeah, that that Salah injury. I mean, there's quite a lot of. Um, Stuff about head injuries and stuff. The Vertonghen one um, was quite nasty in in the middle of the week. Uh, mm. Fabinho had one for for Liverpool, obviously a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, less severe. Yeah, Switzerland. That was a famous mm. one. Yeah, Reason. yeah. Uh, Larice a few years ago. I mean, that was a <laughs> that was dodgy as hell. But yeah, Salah. Yeah, Salah probably not the more serious one because he, he seemingly. He stayed. Apparently, he stayed in the stadium watching the game in the back and and left without going to hospital and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of a lofty cross from Lovren uh, and Dubravka just asses him in the face, pretty much, or hits yeah. him in the face. Not just uh, just a footballing incident, but I mean, when when you saw Salah going off, I know you'd mentioned confidence about keeping the result, but when you see the probably Liverpool's best attacker, especially on the night. Going off, um, I mean, you must have just thought, well, two walls, job done here. Well, to be honest, you know, I think everybody's main concern was whether Salah would be okay, mm-hmm. and rightly so. I think that was that was all that really mattered. Um, in terms of whether he was on the pitch or not, I was still relatively, given as as I say after the equaliser, how Liverpool reacted, I was still relatively confident. I knew that that there would be some sort of onslaught, but. Um, with with a bit of luck or whatever, Newcastle would get over the line. Um, but yeah, I think to be honest, if I wish the injury hadn't happened and Salah had stayed on the pitch, that would have been the ideal situation because then he wouldn't have been have been injured. And I think you know, there's there's no call for for anything other than full respect and full you know a a, a demand and a desire to see him get better from what is quite a common. A worryingly common injury in in football at the moment, mm. particularly quite high profile with the with the uh, examples that you gave. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was it was more about Salah's Salah's safety and and you know being fully fit. And I'm glad to hear that he was able to watch the game towards the end of the uh, towards the end. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and obviously he might. I I I suppose. I guess he'll miss the um, Barcelona game due to protocol mm. and stuff like that. But safety first, not going to gamble him on a 3-0 losing game anyway. Um, yeah. So he goes off, Origi comes on, who we'll talk about in a more. Um, I think Ki Sung Young goes down injured. I don't think he gets subbed off, though. Um, Milner gets brought on for Lovren, who we mentioned had a stinker, but Milner comes on just to foul people, <laughs> which is literally all he did. Um, but I mean, you, you mentioned in the um, in the first goal about uh, Trent and uh, about this probably being the most contentious decision. Fabinho does dive. <laughs> he does dive. There, there's no way that's foul from the from especially like. You know, you talk about replays and everything, but the, the one where the the linesman's looking straight at it, and when you look at that, and you see how how he saw that incident. There's absolutely no way that that can be a foul. Um, and I'm not saying that from a biased point of view. I'm saying that from, you know, just that's just what football is. You know, you have to be fouled to go down. And you know, he he got the free kick from there. You know, it was very good from from, from Van Dijk. Very. You know, good leadership and, and very aware to to do that. What he did with telling Shakiri mm. to take the free kick, the in swing was always going to be tougher to to defend for Newcastle, as it proved. Um, 
and you know credit to Liverpool for battling on, but that goal for me shouldn't have stood, and that's the one that I, as I said to you before, the one that bothers me most. I think is more than the the red card. The fact that Newcastle were minutes away from from getting a point against eleven men, and then that happens is 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 more of a sucker punch than the other way around because I think a lot of people, you know, it would have been. I'm not saying that you know. I've always said that I think Man City will win the league, but only because I don't think either team will slip up and they're in front. Mm. Um, but it would be, I think, a lot of it would have been nice to have been the team that 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 made the difference for either team, not because it's Liverpool. Just it would have been nice to, you know, vindicate Rafa in another sense and add a point to Liverpool, added to the 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 win over Man City in uh, in January, which, as everybody pointed out at that time, was was the favour that Rafa had given Liverpool. <laughs> Um, that was the opportunity to really go and ram home the title, I think. Mm. But in terms of this, this specific incident, I can't believe that, that foul was given. No. Yeah, referees are bad <laughs> in this country. I yeah. can't even. Remember. I mean, I mean, you can you can argue that they may be, you know, these things level out over a season. But I don't want to get into that necessarily. So in a sense, it is it is tough to really complain about a, an incident because every team has to go through. Every team has the same officials, but no. If you're isolating that incident, I cannot understand how the linesman's given that as a foul. No, I mean, I, I thought it was a foul because I was mostly just swearing uh, at that stage of the game. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, looking back with um, less angry eyes, probably safe thing to say. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a dive. Um, I don't even think you can call it soft. It's, Fabinho was a big man. He should not be put on the floor by anyone, never mind. Uh, I think it was Richie who gave it away and ended his angry first impression. Um, but yeah, I can't, was it, I can't remember who the ref was. He was bad throughout, but I think it was, was it Mariner? I think it was. Um, yeah, bad officiating throughout. Um, if, yeah, he's just, he's just not very good. Not very good. Obviously, Liverpool do score off the, well, Origi scores off the free kick, whether it was an own goal off Lascelles or not, I'm not sure, but I think Origi's been given it. Yeah, it's, uh, such an important goal in, in the title race. I mean, Leicester, Man City play Leicester tomorrow night at this stage. But yeah, so important. And Origi's just turned into this cult hero at the minute for scoring banter goals late on in games. Um, but I mean, then Ron, I think Rondon has a chance from a free kick. And my, one of my mates who I was watching it with said, oh, he's not going to score here. And he said the exact same about Messi in midweek. So I was crapping my pants. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, been the game, um, Harry. Obviously a tough one to take from Newcastle, but I suppose a lot of positives considering there was many, well, people were hoping that Rafa had rolled over, but he did the opposite, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, from from Rafa's point of view, he was never going to do that, and I think he would he would have found that quite insulting to suggest he would because it's quite you know, uh, you know, focused and staying focused and professional is 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 kind of his his thing. He doesn't celebrate goals, um, you know, he doesn't he never gets over excited, he never gets over emotional. He's very factual about everything. He's very you know everything's logical, nothing's ever personal, and that's what I think a lot of fans. Don't, don't understand. Cause if you listen to players who played for him now, you know, in the Newcastle team and in the past, like Gerard's mentioned that he's quite a cold person. Um, I've always found him to be very, very pleasant, but only after a victory. I think that's, you know, he does have this sort of persona and he was never ever going to take it lightly against Liverpool. Um, there's a suggestion by Carragher, Jamie Carragher that said that he wants to come back and be the one who leads Liverpool to the title. So he wanted to stop Klopp. I'm not so sure. It goes that deep. But <laughs> That's I just a wild think, take, that. I to remember that. A bit surprised by that. But I think uh, he was always going to try as hard, maybe even the more likely thing was he was going to try harder to try and really shut that, that notion down. Um, but I, I was quite frustrated to see a lot of Liverpool fans criticise Newcastle generally for trying harder against Liverpool than they would against Man City when Newcastle were the last team to beat Man City in the league. Yeah. The only team to beat Man City in the league in the last few months. Um, Newcastle are a team that you can guarantee will will try as hard as they can in every game. Um, tactically, we're slightly more attacking than we have been in these games, but that was maybe because of the point in the season where it's just about making, you know, it's just about closing out the season well, as opposed to, you know, 
anything else. You know, there's no threat of relegation. There's no need to keep points. Uh, you know, to keep score down and things and keep goal and look at goal difference anymore. That's the thing that usually plays into Rafa's hands when it came to his approach to these big games. Um, and yeah, I think. I think he was always going to try his hardest to win this game, regardless of whether it was Liverpool or whether it was anybody else. Yeah, I mean, Rafa's probably the most professional man in the world, so there was no chance of him rolling out the under-15s, um, as I yeah. joked to you earlier in the week. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much the game there. Uh, but before we finish up, Harry, I know we're near an hour now. Um, just a a small season review. I might try and do a couple, a couple more of these in 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 the summer and get other fans on. But just a just a quick season review. Obviously, safe again. Um, still problems behind behind the scenes that we've mentioned. But I think your fourteenth at the minute could go a bit higher. But uh, how was the season um, comparable to the last season? Exactly the same. Um, and I mean that. And and but the only thing is that there's more frustration this time that. This was meant to be a year that was about kicking on and making more of what could happen in the season, pushing on from 10th. There was a crucial quote from Rafa last year, or either at the start of this year, where he said that he wants to finish in 10th, um, but be 10th throughout the season. So battling West Ham, Everton, Bournemouth, as opposed to surging and and finishing 10th. Because you can't finish 10th, 11th, 12th. And I asked him this question after Southampton, um, he can finish in those positions uh, as Newcastle have from a late surge, but he wants to be in in and around that area, able to not worry about relegation and focus more on the Cups because he's kind of had to throw the Cups away because uh, he wants to keep his squad fresh to battle against relegation. It's been frustrating at times, but it's been a very good second half of the season. But that in itself is frustrating that Newcastle have been able to show what they can do and what Rafa could bring to Newcastle at a relatively good sort of like reasonable price, if you like. He's not asking to compete with Man City. He's not asking to compete with Liverpool. And he just wants to come into those games with an opportunity to maybe beat them as opposed to, you know, like Liverpool, like Everton have had, like West Ham have had this season. That's what he's looking at as opposed to anything you know, that the media would like to twist, the likes of Richard Keyes or whoever you want to say would like to twist. He's not asking for crazy for crazy things. He just wants to be able to do to do something great for, for this club and this city. And I don't think that's anything that should be that should be laughed at or, or should be you know, Newcastle should be doing everything they can to keep this man on Tyneside. Um and I'm sure they'll they'll come to some sort of agreement from what I know and what I've heard. But um, it's been a frustrating year. And but if they can build on things, then great. But if Rafa leaves, then they won't, and it'll be more of the same, and if not worse than ever. And I think that is the tipping point that we end the season on. Um, and it's just a case of waiting for the next couple of weeks as to whether he signs that new deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> just the importance of Rafa Benitez to one club. It just it's just mad. But yeah, I fully. That, get that, it. that is that is how it that's yeah. how it is because he is, you know, that that is a club that I don't think people really again stories get changed and forgotten. But Newcastle for years under Pardew, but particularly when McLaren came in and Carver, and it went really really low. Um, they were in absolutely, you know, there was no connection. There were the, the it was a the club was the club which really makes a which has been it's been this discussion has been in parliament because the the local mp said has made the point that um it's a social economic thing that if newcastle does well the, the city does well and every you know that's how it works um i don't know i don't want to comment on that specifically but um it certainly was there was a point where the club was doing so poorly that the city was just gen, it was a dead football club the the city was giving up and everything was mm. You know, the, the football was no longer the focal point, or if it was, it wasn't a happy focal point. Rafa came in and instantly changed everything, and he deserves the opportunity to, to take it on. And I, I, I honestly don't understand what, I don't know what, nobody knows what the, what the post, uh, Rafa life would be at the moment. Obviously, if he, if he came, if he stays and leaves on his own terms in 15 years when he retires, it'll be different. But if he leaves right now, all bets are off. 
Yeah, yeah, and this is from a supporter of a club who post Rafa imploded for a long, well, for a good few years, um, and even with Rafa, it, it turned sour. But post Rafa, it just well, Liverpool always had the mm. always had the pull and the ability to bounce back eventually. I'm yeah. not sure Newcastle have shown that in, under Ashley at all. So mm-hmm. it is more, yeah, more more than it's absolutely vital that he stays. Um, I can't stress that enough. Mm. No, fully understandable. Fully understandable. I think that's the perfect way to finish the pod as well. But Harry, before we do um, sign off, uh, anything you want to plug? Your Twitter, any work that you? Yeah, my Twitter account is probably the best place to follow me um, and follow my work and everything. That's at Harry the Cosmo guy. You follow me so you can show that everybody who needs to know all about my Twitter account. But yeah, that's the that's the place to go. I think. Yeah, yeah, great follow as well, uh, especially. If you if you do like interacting with uh, other team fans as well, Harry's a, Harry's a good lad. Uh, he will be um, tagged with the tweet, so don't worry about spelling his name because I haven't learnt it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, we will finish up there. Thanks for joining me, Harry, and thanks for everyone listening at home. Catch you later. Podcast Network.